G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Charles Newington, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Well, we're almost there, Charles. Saturday is on the way, a couple of days, and we'll be standing there at the polling booth and casting our ballot. Uh, There is a race towards the line. There's been a tightening of poll numbers uh, the excitement is gathering, and uh, this is a, a significant election and perhaps the most important election ever. Uh, give us your insights, uh, what, uh, as your uh, reflections on this race towards the line. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that we sometimes, others may also share my my reflection or my thought about the fact that it seems like the um, leaders of the, the the major parties seem to follow each other around the country. You know, they seem to be in the same place at the same time. And uh, that uh, dawned on me that it was because of the marginals, because they realised that there are some key seats that they really have to win, and uh, those are the same seats. And so they tend to sort of follow the same sort of track. Um, But now as we come down to the line, the messaging is getting down to the the, the things that they feel are those final things they can say to shift the the few percent here, there and everywhere. And um, Bill Shorten's going back to Blacktown to channel... Gough Whitlam's message that it's time, and uh, I must say I I I can't get um, Bob Hawke's comment to, to Norm Gunston out of my mind. You may remember that little bit of footage where Norm Gunston finds himself standing right in <laughs> <laughs> right right place at the right time. Yeah. Yes, Bob says to him, "Not now, Norm." <laughs> yeah. And and I would say to people too, "It's not now." Not now, Norm. It's not uh, time for a change. But but that's what Bill Shorten's doing. He's he's really appealing to younger voters, particularly, and he's saying this is a moment. You know, we've got to get rid of the old guard and bring in something new, like Gough Whitlam did. And of course, it was un- unfundable idealism of Gough's, and he emptied the piggy bank and and left the country in a very difficult position that took years and years to sort out. But. Um, uh, on the other hand, the Prime Minister is is wanting to encourage people uh, that this is about aspiration, it's about home ownership, and it is a bit sad that it's taken such a long time to try to to put some kind of screws on what's happening in the economy that makes home ownership such a major issue for young people these days. It's it's so uh, relatively expensive to when you know their parents were buying homes, um, but it is. A key issue. He's um, he's he's saying to the nation, um, it's not a time to change um, to a government that says, "Give me all your money and I'll solve all your problems." But the problem is, they never run the country well and they never solve the problems, but they still spend the money. You know, that's that's his his quote, and and that, unfortunately, that is the record, isn't it? The, the record is that so often um, that the uh, idealism is just unfundable. Let's talk about government and problem solving, Charles, because, you know, as a Christian, uh, we know we have faith in God and we believe that as governments are submitted to God, uh, then nations can flourish. 
uh, for the atheist, or the person who doesn't give time to talk about God, uh, the government really becomes their only hope. And really, uh, that hope is what we might even call hopelessness. Uh, but what are your thoughts about this idea that, you know, you've got to get the right government in place to solve all the problems? Yeah, you've nailed it, um, Neil, because um, if you do away with God, uh, there's still a need for a, a final authority. And in practical terms, that comes down to the government. And if 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 God's not in the mix, uh, then then who's who's finally responsible and who's going to shape the future? And um, the government says, "Oh, we will," or the, the various parties say, "We will." But you know, um, uh, there are some great statements about politics. One is that politics is the art of compromise, uh, and the other one is that politics is the art of the possible. And I, I prefer that one, that it's the art of the possible. And uh, and it's often, uh, it, it, however, the debate ri- raises idealism. You know, it sort of gives people some sort of idealistic vision. Everybody says they want a party that gives a sense of vision for the future. But that vision has to be deeply grounded in reality. You know, idealism must submit to the real world of numbers. And, of course, this courting of minorities and this idea of, and you talk about ideals, other people might call that a utopian uh, sort of an ethos, Uh, the idea that we can make the perfect world, we'll build the perfect world if we just get the right government in place. Uh, That doesn't necessarily work. It never works. Uh, in fact, it, it's a sure indicator of uh, of a disaster just down the road, because um, there are so many factors to be considered. And so, what we're looking for is we're looking for people with a track record of being able to keep uh, an economy in balance and able to be responsive to the kind of issues that sometimes just steamroller a nation you know sometimes it's global issues that like the, the you know the gfc and things like that it's times like that that you need people that can make the right decisions and uh, you know for instance what kevin rudd decided to do at the time you know the think bats thing uh, that was his response to crisis and uh, and you know we have to be mindful of the fact that we want a government that is a steady hand in difficult times because they come There's a certain sense, isn't there, Charles, that if you don't have a faith in the eternal God, uh, you somehow rather create God in humanity's image, and that usually looks like a government, and uh, usually looks like a rise of an authoritarian state, because not everybody will always agree that one person is going to be uh, the one who ought to have all the answers and lead us all. But uh, this idea of governments being like a god, uh, what are your thoughts? I'm reminded of what happened when Moses was up the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. He was up there quite a long time, and people came to the conclusion that he was he was looking for ideas or something, and that God didn't exist. So they said, let's make a God. And you recall what happened, the way they, out of the fire, uh, says says his brother Aaron, so sort of miraculously came this this bull, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and that's, that's an example, isn't it? It's bull came out of there. 
their fire. <laughs> you know, and that's what happens. People can't live without the fact that the hope that there's somebody who can fix things because we all live with, with a sense of anxiety that, that life's not within our power to control. And, and who is it, if God is not there, who is it that can do that? And, of course, there are some people with huge egos and great ambitions that will always say, well, I can fix it. And the, the fact is that, that really the role of government is not to take over human responsibility you know that it's not to do that but it's that's we've we know that from experience that government is more a problem than a solution if it gets uh, inflated overinflated and too, too big for its boots uh, its role is to actually be as small as possible that's one of government's primary roles to to intervene as little as possible uh, and and to, to always see how it can help civil society fix the problems so that the moment it starts getting involved in education we start finding propagandism or we start finding the politicization of education and that's true about everywhere else and and so we this is the the big the big dilemma of our age is that a human response nobody wants human responsibility they want to play you know lots of people just want to play they want a government to look after the shop while they party but when the party's over they come back the shop's empty it's been sold and there's a dozer parked outside with the motor running you know we have to remain involved as as citizens with the, taking up our responsibilities whether those are our family responsibilities or our neighborhood responsibilities don't give it to government because the bigger government becomes the harder it is to hold accountable Charles, we've been the beneficiaries of being a nation that has a Christian heritage. And some yeah. people want to try and revise all of that. Uh, well, uh, that just can't be the case. When you drive through the countryside and you see there's churches on every corner in every country yeah. town, look, this is the heritage that we have. And it indicates that it's been a nation that's acknowledged God as the moral authority and therefore has given to us a capacity to be able to live in peace and harmony with various groups. And so we've had this freedom. Now we're losing this freedom very quickly, and it's not even whether the government is in place, but there's a certain sense in which we've become a nation in denial that there is a God, and we're actually draining our freedom away. What are your thoughts here about a nation and uh, our attitude to God and whether we deny God, deny truth? I think there's, this is a coin with two sides. On the one hand, we have a deliberate policy that's being sort of pumped through education and the media, etc., that says, you know, we've outgrown God and, uh, we, you know, we're, we're fully mature now as human beings. We can do this on our own. But on the other side, I think that the church um, has also suffered from entitlement, like, um, you know, often we blame other people with that sense of entitlement. But the church has suffered from a sense of entitlement. You know, our role... As uh, as God's people in society is a is a, a complex role. It involves us being willing to sacrifice our own interests at times uh, for the good of of all, and and to remain deeply in, committed in 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 helping society with the great issues. And you know the, the role I'm in these days. The list is huge. Think about, for instance, the fact that there are there 45,000 children in out of home care at any one point across the nation. These are children that are that that, that are in dangerous homes. And then there's another 60,000 of those that are being watched by caseworkers. Um, uh, there are 
there are 80,000 people having abortions in this country uh, on average every year. And just imagine all the psychological and social and emotional issues before that decision and after that decision. Uh, it goes on and on and on. There are just so many issues in society that call us as the Christian community to see that the Christian faith is not about how comfortable and how well air-conditioned our churches are, but it's about how engaged the Christian community is in caring in the love of and name of Jesus. Uh, because uh, if this society needs us, it needs us now, like it's always needed us, but it desperately needs the church to stand up and to be the church. And not to have, not to waste all our time and effort in in fighting about about, about political rights. Of course, they're important. But while we do that, families and households and individuals are living desperate lives, and um, no amount of um, uh, of popcorn and uh, free beer. Uh, is fixing that. We're always mindful, Charles, of the idea that uh, the poor, the vulnerable, uh, the homeless, uh, these are people that Christians are concerned about. And in some sense, uh, we might say that uh, some of those things which haven't really, I don't think, come to light uh, much in this campaign at all because there have been yes. distractions by all sorts of other economic issues and, uh, you know, who's yeah. who's going to be taking away from the top end of town and uh, whatever uh, to try and give to uh, to the lower end of town. But even that's not dealing with the poor and the vulnerable and the homeless. But these are, this idea of uh, balancing rights of people in our community... Uh, with the idea of retaining freedom of speech, this is going to be one of the big challenges. What are your predictions uh, for after Election Day, say, if there is a change of government? What are your thoughts about what might be ahead? Well, the Labour Party has been very clear about the fact that it intends to uh, change the Sex Discrimination Act and to remove the exemptions that have protected uh, Christian and uh, faith-based schools and institutions. And uh, uh, and no amount of um, of sort of um, uh, you know that's a strong position that they that they're holding and that that is I don't think that they realise quite what a groundswell there is across the nation on this matter of freedom of speech and freedom of religion though um, these things have uh, the, the populace have been awakened but when you look at the response I mean like to Alan Jones's articles about uh, Israel Falau. 2.3 million people checked his articles out. You know, 10,000 people made personal comments. You know, 53,000 people have liked Easy Falau's page. You know, these these are big numbers. There's there's uh, it's like something is being awakened, and um, and so I, I think that we we face um, you know things are not going away. These issues are going to be very much in play, and um, you know it's it's going to be. It's going to be interesting times, as they say. Well, Charles, there are a number of wonderful organisations like Family Voice Australia who have uh, some guides for people who are wondering, you know, how do I understand uh, the issues? And I keep hearing these sorts of conversations about a Christian position on the biggest issues facing the nation. And uh, I know that on your website, familyvoice.org.au, there'll be some uh, evaluation there of what the parties are actually 
coming to the table with uh, so far as their policies go. Uh, there are a number of others as well, but let me point people today to familyvoice.org.au uh, to be able to check out uh, some of the evaluation that uh, your organisation has been able to put together. Charles, uh, thank you so much for your uh, great commentary in the lead-up to the election. Next week, no doubt, we'll be talking about uh, what happened uh, on election day, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I do look forward to that conversation as well. Oh, yeah, uh, but, please, uh, God. but, you know, uh, you know, just appreciate you, I mean, last week at this time, and uh, reminding listeners that we had a conversation about the long march through the institutions and uh, the challenging things that have been gripping the nation as a result of those sorts of expressions. And uh, those conversations that can be listened to on a podcast, it might be worthwhile having a listen in if you're wondering about uh, what's going on. But Charles Newington, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.